Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain, the place for late identified autistic ADHD adults. Today, my guest is Thomas Hindley from the Instagram account Asperger's Growth. He also has an amazing talk show podcast called Thoughty Audi. Welcome to the show, Thomas. We're going to be talking all about relationships, dating, and all the communication things that we as autistics experience in relationships and communication, especially when it comes to our dating life. Welcome to the show, Thomas. Hi, I'm Carol Jean, founder and host of Mind Your Autistic Brain talk show and community. And you're about to experience the new way to thrive in life and relationships as a late identified autistic by unveiling who you are, how you communicate, finding your self-care plan from the inside out, and being the authentic creator of your best life. Get ready, because this is where we go against the mainstream, say no to outdated society norms, and we say yes to who we are in order to create a joy-filled, balanced, and more neurodistinct world. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain. Welcome to the show, Thomas. Hi, Carol. Lovely to speak to you again. Well, Thomas, tell us a little bit about your autism story, your autism journey. Like, how did you become aware that you were autistic? Well, I was diagnosed with as well, what is now autism ASD1. I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome when I was about 10 years old. I remember it quite vividly. It was, you know, it's it's not something that um, it's something more that I hear from, you know, from my parents about what I was like and why they went to get the diagnosis and such. But I, d- I know that I did display a lot of um, typical autistic kind of behaviors like stimming. And I used to <laughs> I used to sit well, when my parents were watching TV, I used to stand at the side in the doorway just spinning around in a circle um while they were watching TV. they found it very irritating um <laughs> there, there was lots of different things and it, it was kind of coming up to the age where i was starting to prepare to go to secondary school and around that time around 10 i i actually started to sort of say, say like oh hang on there people people are a bit confusing and different but it's it's only really me that seems to think that and and so I, I had those thoughts at quite quite a young age and it was um you know obviously obviously in in hindsight it's quite quite easy for me to see but you know that that was kind of the age where I was um you know contemplating my relationship with other people um because I've, I've always been a very sociable sort of outgoing, friendly person um, in, in primary school and prior to that. And, um, and so it was, quite, it was quite important to me to, to have those, those connections. And when I, when I was diagnosed, it was around about the time that issues started to come up. You know, people, the other children started to progress socially a lot faster um, than, than it was. And I was starting to perceive that and, you know, say like, Hey, what's happening? And and so when I got diagnosed, my, my parents 
took me to my favorite place, which was McDonald's. You know, they talk about the chicken nugget being the international sign of autism. Um, <laughs> that was definitely true for me. And um, I got my chicken nugget happy meal and sat down. Um, this this was after going to, to one of these um, meetings with the occupational therapist. And, and my parents told me that I was autistic. And I was like, what, what is that? And they explained it and they said, you know, they kind of gave a brief explanation, you know, just because I was a kid um, and told me all about the ways that I'm different and the things that I struggle with. And I was like, even at, even at that age, I, I, I burst out into crying because it was just, it was just something that was in my head for such a long time. And it, it caused me a lot of stress and difficulty and so finally having something to attribute to that, some a reason for that was was quite eye-opening. And it was, you know, pro- probably one of the only times that I cried out of happiness and, you know, for, forever up until that point. Oh, that is so relatable. I mean, I remember just the tears of relief, the tears of joy to know oh my gosh, there's, there's an explanation. There's a reason there's something that, you know, I can now kind of dive into. We all kind of go down the rabbit hole of research for a lot of us in late identified life. I don't know about you at 10, but, and it's just such, it's such a relief to know that I'm not just not getting it. You know, Mm. it really is what, you know, as you started to sort of move into secondary school and you started navigating, you know, especially as you got into your teens, the dating high school dating for me was just like a crapshoot. I didn't understand <laughs> it. I, I, I was, I was a, a master studier of, of social behavior. And mm. I didn't have like mm. one particular social group. I moved around to all the different ones. Because drifter. I never felt, yeah, I never, I would eat lunch with different people all the time. I never felt like like I fit with any of them and mm. it was dating was a whole, that was a weird thing for me in high school. Like I, I didn't, I didn't get it. <laughs> I dated, but I, I sure as heck didn't understand the unspoken protocols or any of the stuff. College wasn't any better. I can just tell you, I mean, I was in a sorority. We had parties. I dated guys in fraternities. I went to the football games. I did all the stuff, <laughs> but that was usually because some of my friends or my sorority sisters kind of set me up or kind of helped me because if I was left to my own devices, I wouldn't have left home. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I completely get that. I think that the, um, before, before, sort of answering that I think that there was something that you said about that sort of period of time where you research after you after you get diagnosed um obviously that's not something that I did when I was 10 um I very much took it for what it is these are things that are difficult kind of things and then all the other stuff I just pushed to the side and focused on friends and as you say dating and also you know, Taekwondo and school and that the, for a large amount of time, that was, you know, my occupation that occupied my mind for the most of it. And it was only when I went to university that I went through that. So sort of, as you described that late diagnosis sort of blooming and looking into things and stuff and going, Hey, because it's, it's not something that 
parents or teachers or any anyone any counselors that are going to sit you down and say hey this is this and you know this happens and this is common and these are difficulties these are good things this is how you mold your life better and and so I I, I still had to go through that in my 20s and um yeah I, I just wanted to mention that <laughs> oh no it, you absolutely it, I hear it a lot from my coaching clients and people in coaching cafe academy who mm-hmm. They were diagnosed early in life, but, you know, just because of the way things are not talked about, things are not discussed and shared with us after our diagnoses in a way that is really helpful to kind of give us resources and insights or just to have an honest conversation, because most of the time it's a neurotypical who really doesn't understand the experience of being autistic. So they miss the things that we really need to hear and talk about. Mm-hmm. And it, it happens later, you know, usually in the twenties, sometimes in the early thirties, by the time someone who was diagnosed early in life gets to go through that process. And it's very similar mm-hmm. to the late identified process in that respect It's like, okay, I may have known this, but I didn't really, I understood it, but I didn't know, yeah. you know, cause I didn't have mm-hmm. the resources of community and being able to talk to other people who are autistic to get you know, some of the things they're experiencing you, sort of have just that kind common of ground. Have that basic knowledge that pretty much anybody would, would know if they read like Googled autism, they could read off the diagnosis kind of thing. God help them if they Google it right now. Cause it's still <laughs> the stuff that comes up is just so not right. <laughs> it's like, they, Oh, seriously, people come on. We have evolved. Haven't we? <laughs> but you know, like a, a, a lot of people, um not not because i think when when we're in this this big community of autistic people um we kind of forget about the people who aren't in the community because you know throughout my life going going for university and particularly when i did my documentary where i reached out to university students um a lot of them weren't actually um they weren't in any of the autism communities. They didn't have that, you know, like, like I said, you get that baseline information, you know, what's hard and you know what you could probably do, you know, your special interest and they, they go through life and they have a good time and it's not too bad and they have a smooth sail. And so they never get to that stage where they look back at their life. And this um, individual, oh, what's his name? There's an individual that I, that I, interviewed who's been for a long time supporting autistic adults like for mediation and such um, when they've had difficulties with the law or housing or, or anything like that and he's he said that it that autistic people don't tend to look back and fix things if nothing bad's happened um, it's it's only when something's really bad's really really bad and really traumatic and really really hard to swallow has, has happened and it's it's unexplainable and um that that usually is the the ignition for people to to look back on life and sort of learn more about autism in, my, in a more practical sort of uh, lived experience sense and um and I know people who 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 are like that and they just you know they Things things are smooth sailing at the moment, but 
you know, it, it could always be good, good to have a little bit more information and a little bit more understanding of how they work and such. But um, it's very, very interesting, interesting man. Uh, Peter Bainbridge, that's what his name is. Very cool guy. Late diagnosed autistic. I think he's in his 60s. Very oh, interesting character. <laughs> he used to be a sales assistant. So he's like, is is so eloquent with his words and like impactful and uh, very interesting oh, man. Neat. Oh, I definitely want masking, to be <laughs> Masking to the hundred percent. It's it's madness. But <laughs> oh, I love it. That's amazing. So as we're talking about just looking at our lives and reflecting and things like that, you've done that. You've done some reflecting. You've done some some deep diving processing when it comes to dating and relationships. So yeah. what are some of the things that, that you have over your, your time looking at this? Cause you've got a really good series on your Instagram account about dating and relationships. So what are some of the highlights or the points that you have found were really important or impactful as an autistic adult dating? Like where, like if, if I'm a single adult, maybe, you know, I've just come out of a relationship or maybe I haven't ever been in a relationship. Where do I even start as an autistic adult to start dating, connecting, meeting people and doing it in a way that's just not going to send me to shut down and melt down, overload it's, all that stuff that happens. It's okay. It's a great question. And, you know, a lot, a lot of the stuff that I've done fairly, fairly recently has been focused on, um, informing and educating neurotypical individuals because there seems to be a lot of people who are in relationships with autistic people and it's it's not great and they're not communicating well and there's a lot of there's a lot of difficulties um and so, so a lot a lot of my stuff is is around that um more recently but i i, I do also see the the importance of you know um helping helping autistic people to find a relationship and you know that there's been a lot of talk about uh relationships i know that that temple grandin has quite famously um uh talked about selective mate or assortative mating or, or some some sort where whereby autistic people find other autistic people and you know date and and all that and I'm I'm not too sure that that's right to to some degree. I I've I found that people who autistic people who have got good social skills, who have developed them and have have tried to understand emotions and different social situations and and mastered those, they tend they tend to just date people that they find attractive. It doesn't matter if they're autistic or neurotypical and it's you know it, it it tends to be that the people who really struggle on the social side um about communicating and understanding another person tend tends not to to, to date neurotypical people it tends to be over autistic people that they that they see which is fine of course uh but the issue comes in there is um we're the minority. <laughs> there's not a lot of us. And if you're in a small town, if you're in a small village, there's probably not going to be a lot of people that are open and are, are looking on 
dating sites or they're looking to to date or you know so, so there's so many barriers that you have to go through in order to to get to that place and for me for, I, I can only speak on my experience because i haven't you know got, gone to people and and coach them a lot of people who get in contact with me are neurotypicals asking about certain things you know like um conflating um behaviors with narcissism rather than autism and all that kind of thing and that's a big one that comes up a lot in diverse <laughs> relationships where the labeling starts getting thrown around before they yeah. actually realize that there is a neurotype difference in the mm. relationship and it gets people get labeled as narcissistic and all of these kind of things. And it's like, whoa, hang on a minute. Let's take a look at this for a second. There's a variation in neurotype. There is a variation in communication styles because mm. as neurodivergent humans, we have a very unique communication style. We don't lack one. We don't have the inability to have one. We have it. It's just different. And the interpretation of it and the delivery of it and how people view it from a neurotypical standpoint can be very skewed. (laughs) Mm. Then you get all the, the mixing in of, of emotions and Oh, definitely. Like you bring in all the experiences <laughs> and all the stuff and people show up and they're just like, they're narcissistic. They don't listen. They don't communicate. They turn around and leave the house. And I'm like, they're conflict avoiders. Yeah. It's, it's the whole conflation, the whole misunderstanding of adaptive and cognitive empathy that, that, that really kicks people into, oh, they're a psychopath and they're narcissistic and they don't care about me and my feelings and, and everything like that. It's, it's it's a very common thing. Um, I'd I'd say from 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 the autistic side, it, you know, being being on being in the autistic community, it it tends to be very heavily focused on the positives. And as soon as you you start to talk about some of the negative things about being autistic, um, it's not very well received as as I've experienced, and. You know, I would I would say that we're very emotional and we care about people a lot. Um, but I also think just just as with socializing, emo- like learning to understand your emotions and what they mean and how they affect you, and and being able to um, pinpoint that, and and being able to to navigate around all the sensory things in in combination with the social things and. It's it's a very difficult thing to do, and it's I I you know that that whole emotional social component is quite a large thing, um, in particular for dating people who are not autistic, and you know it's because you know relationships are supposed to be about um, emotional connection and 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 such and and so it's so it's it's kind of important to kind of get a grip around that and oh definitely it, and I, I think you've talked about this and and I so related to it I have alexithymia yeah you've done a couple of posts about this <laughs> and a, I was just it's a I, you saw my comments <laughs> I'm like heck yes you are nailing it you were so spot on about this because that to me was one of the biggest barriers that I wasn't aware of 
for many years, up until about two years ago, when I was, when I was going through the whole identification process, that particular element was not picked up on. It took until two years ago for that to finally, and I had to bring it. And I'm like, hey, I think this was not included. And we need to look at this because I think I have alexithymia. But looking back on my relationships, especially when they didn't go well, (laughs) they didn't work out well in all aspects, be it friendships, familial relationships, or romantic relationships, alexithymia was one of the biggest components simply Mm. because I have tons of feelings and I have these really big emotions. I will feel them very strongly. At the same time, I can experience absolutely no particular emotion that I could identify or ascribe to something. And saw those background things buzzing up, the the little levels going up. And if they don't get to a certain threshold, then you don't know that they're there. And Exactly. And you're, you can feel it all in your body, but it has it, it doesn't quite reach and translate in the mind into an yeah. articulated, articulated emotion. Mm. And so that gets to be a real big challenge. And I also have an auditory processing delay and I'm an auditory processor. What a conundrum <laughs> I am. <laughs> and, and that in relationships can be a real challenge. And mm. um, Like if you're having a disagreement or if you're having a conversation about something and somebody's sharing something really deep and personal and meaningful with you, and I would be taking it all in and processing it, but it took me a little longer than maybe a neurotypical person. So the neurotypical person who's divulging these things to me, looking for that response and that connection, and because I didn't give it as quickly or in the way that they needed and anticipated their expectation, then they think, oh, you don't care. You're cold. You're being a witch with a B (laughs) and you know, you don't, you're not interested, right? That's the interpretation that happens on the other side. And then they get mad, they get hurt. And you're just completely dumbfounded because you're taking this all in and you feel deep empathy and connection for this. It just maybe takes you a little longer to articulate it and to respond. Yeah. You know, have the you found that to be something you've come in sort of roadblocks in relationships? I think it's, it's definitely one of the biggest ones, you know, there's, you have the whole the whole thing about you know that there's a there, in a lot of ways there's there's some some mismatch in in how we want to be consoled like you know if when I was a bit a bit younger if someone was to to come at me with, with an emotional issue I would immediately try to think of solutions to that um and and suggest solutions to it rather than you know responding to the to the emotions. But I think particularly particularly in adulthood, like you know, I I, I am alexithymic, and it, it does it does take me a lot lot of time, a lot of personal time to try and understand the emotions that I feel, and um, particularly digest the emotions that that someone else is expressing, and so particularly in in relationships with with perhaps someone who is um you know very outwardly emotional very extroverted um it can be a real tough 
situation, especially if it's it's something that's a conflict. You know, it's 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 an it's a, it's an issue that they they want to ex, to express. And yet, you, you know, you're sat there, you you're digesting it, you're trying to understand it. Even even in that situation, you need to go away and think about it and talk about it. Let alone, you know, someone's in front of you, um, getting emotional and you know you're soaking in all the emotions and you you're panicking and then you know your brain's just overloaded so much and you're trying to take on this difficult task of uh being a sleuth trying to figure out what your emotions are and how to express that is and so, so situations where where perhaps two neurotypicals would come together express their emotions communicate in in that way and just be able to understand how they feel and communicate that and understand how the other person feels and communicate that and then go on from there it can it can sometimes become a a real uh sticking point for people um you know the, the neurotypical person may may come away from the situation thinking they don't care about me they you know they I've expressed all these emotions and they, they don't care about what, what I have to say and how I feel. Um, but on the autistic side, your brain is just fried. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, I can't even digest what you're trying to say. Can you, can you send it in an email and in bullet points? Can I, can I have a free working days <laughs> to think about it? Right. Um, so it's the temperament and being patient and trying to be understanding and not, not not jumping to con- to conclusions about things fr- from both sides is really important. Hi, my name is Carol Jean Whittington, and I am one half of the Coaching Cafe Academy team, along with my coaching partner, the amazing Ali Arena. And we want you to join us in this life-changing community coaching experience. This is the first neurodistinct program of its kind designed with autistic and ADHD brains in mind because Allie and I are neurodistinct. We have opened the doors to the brand new Coaching Cafe Academy and they will only be open for a few weeks. We want you to be a founding member. The Coaching Cafe Academy is the perfect neurodistinct home for anyone looking to learn from and with people who speak the same neuro language and where we all understand one another's perspectives. If you are looking to leave behind the tips, tricks, and empty promises of neurotypical communication and relationship experts and ready to enter the real world of the neurodiverse communication ecosystem for neurodistinct humans, where translation of neurotypical and neurodistinct communication becomes a clear language, where all neurotypes are seen, heard, respected, and understood, then this is your home. Enter the home of authentic connection. This isn't just a course. It is a central community of authentic autistic and ADHD connection that is warm, vibrant, and full of kind, gentle, and patient people just like you. Hallie and I are fully involved, totally hands-on, giving support and guidance every step of the way. Why not start 2022 in the best way possible? Join us in the Coaching Cafe Academy, and we will continue this amazing journey together. And, you know, having... Yes, I 100% agree with you on that one. Just having a little grace Mm -hmm. and patience and kindness. 
for one other. Yeah, it's 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 a difficult thing to do. Um, you know, it's it's very easy for me to to come on and say, you know, you need to be patient, you need to understand. But if the, if there's something that's really bad in the relationship and they really want to talk about it, you know, it's you know what 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 can you do? It's it, you you have to you have to you have to to to, to try your best in in that situation. Um, and I think, you know, one, one of the reasons why I've been focusing on giving information to neurotypical people is that, you know, they could be in a relationship with someone who's really good for them and they could be really close and they could, could both care about each other a lot. But the way that they communicate about conflict and emotions could just be all out of whack. And it, it, it can sometimes be quite damaging if it's, if it's not taken with patience and slowness and understanding and willingness to connect. Oh, that, that right there is very powerful. And it's one of the, one of the things that I, I approach in, in my coaching with my coaching clients, especially with the communication ecosystem mm-hmm. is because we have unique communication styles, all of us, all humans, it doesn't matter what your neurotype is. We have as autistics variations in that, those communication styles. We have things about our neurotype that impact our communication styles, like processing speeds, processing delays, be it, you know, if you have dyslexia, then reading something is going to be more challenging. You know, if you're an auditory processor, if you have an auditory processing delay, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, alexithymia, there's all sorts of components that influence that, but that also influence your relationship types, your relationship styles. You know, we have all these different things and, and there's so many people that I've come across in the autistic community. And, you know, this might not be received well, and some people might get upset about this, but this is what I have found is that they want to date but they're not willing to look at and do the work that's necessary to prepare themselves to be in a position to Mm -hmm. date effectively. That's, I I couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) It's like, I, 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 I understand socializing quite well and I understand relationships quite well from, from multiple, multiple different angles but even I, even I struggle when it comes to things like processing time and alexithymia and, and all that stuff. But I, looking back on my experiences when I was younger, I was not ready for, for any sort of relationship of, of any or dating or, or anything of that type, because it just, it just doesn't work that I didn't understand socializing well. I didn't understand emotions well. You know, things were really difficult and things upset me a lot as well. And, you know, I'm quite an emotional person and I approached everything in life with a very logical, this is that, this is fact, this is the relation, this is what happens in the relation kind of mentality. And I I really didn't give myself space to learn and, and grow and to understand myself and my emotions and understand other people and their emotions in order to 
to, to really have that emotional connection. Oh, I can so relate to that. I look back in my earlier dating life and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was like a bull in a China shop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was more like a crying bull in a China shop. I was a, I was a right little mopey person. Oh um, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. Things, and, things and the things that me. happen. Yeah. The things, oh, I, I would get so wounded, deeply wounded, deeply hurt. And just the experience of, of what I was taking the wrong mm. way, because I was taking things so personally and my interpretation, the story I was telling myself about why someone said something or why someone did something was so deeply wounding. I walked mm. around very hurt and confused and not understanding and thinking I was constantly being rejected when now that I can look back on it, knowing what I know now, I'm like, that wasn't the case. I told myself the wrong story. I had all the wrong information. And what was the big like aha changer when it came to relationships for me was starting to recognize what my own needs were, what my unique communication styles are, because we have more than one and we use them based on what happens in our life and our day and the situation and the person and all the things. And also just being able to recognize that there were aspects of who I am and how I process and how I experience the world that influences all of those things. Hmm. And that just because I believed something for so long didn't make it true. And just being able to really get to know myself in a whole new way. Cause I mean, in my twenties, I knew myself. You couldn't tell me I didn't know myself <laughs> and I would tell you, you were wrong. Cause I know exactly who I am. But now that I'm 47, almost 48, I can look back at my 20 something year old self and go, God bless your heart. You didn't know anything. <laughs> you just thought you did. <laughs> uh, yes. I, I, I relate to that. It's um, it, it it's it's hard, isn't it? Because growing up autistic, you kind of you, you subject to a lot of emotional trauma, um, especially during secondary school. So you you come away from from that experience either broken and unable to do anything, um, or you come away from it uh, being very resentful, being very independent person you know sent you know centered and um yeah this is I put right, up some serious big thick walls very protective yeah, the walls um and which is it's, it's understandable because it's something that we haven't fixed and i i always go, go on about the you know the the low quality of life that is always going to be a factor if you've got low self-esteem low confidence you're probably not going to socialize as much you're probably not going to practice those skills and then, you know, not being able to socialize and practice those skills, it's going to make it hard to date and, and understand things and feel confident. And, and, you know, there's a whole host of different things that, you know, just the, the, the trauma that you you experience just massively impact you, the way that you relate to another human being. It's, um, Definitely. And yeah, that's one of the things that 
that Allie and I built into the communication ecosystem was setting up and creating your personal zone of safety. Hmm. Because if we don't feel safe within ourselves, if we don't feel emotionally, mentally, physically safe, then we're not going to get out of protective mode. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not in our higher thinking brain. We're in our protective mode. And that is a very reactive place to be. And we're not going to see opportunities. We're not going to recognize that there may be a solution to the problem. We're just going to keep protecting ourselves and reacting. And that does not, from my personal experience, set us up for a place of of growth and change that's going to serve us when we are in that place of, and, and we don't try new things. We don't stretch our boundaries. We don't do things that are going to help us when we don't feel safe. You need that sort of inner, inner safety to, to retreat to if needed. If you don't have that, then it's, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. Um, I think something that I've, I have been in contact with a number of autistic people who are really struggling with dating. And I found that a lot of a lot of people put a lot of pressure on getting a date and getting a relationship. So much pressure that it pushes the other person away. You know, they they're perhaps a bit tentative going up to it. Um, you know, after after they see them, it's all the emotions flood in, and they can say, "Oh, this person, I find them attractive. I like them. I want to talk to them." And it it can be very very overwhelming for the other person, and that that's something something that that happened to, happened to me when I was younger. Um, you know, it only really started to to turn around when I when I started to you know view view relationships for what what, what they were that you 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 were having a companionship with with another person. Um, I think think the the danger comes in when you, you've you've had all these bad experiences and you find somebody and like it going miles ahead finding someone being in a relationship with someone <laughs> like it, even 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 then there's there's just so my brain's gone all foggy. I get where you're going. I totally do. And I, that's something I experienced as well. And, and I think so many people can relate to that, you know, especially when we haven't really learned who we are, are in all of the bits and pieces that make a relationship and dating and that whole communication element, that's a component to authentic connection. And it's, it's, sorry, it, I, I just I just feel like it's it's a very it's a very hard hard thing because on on the one side the benefits of, of dating and having a relationship are, re- are really important for a lot of people but on the, on the other side you know we, we can't push aside the fact the fact that we're most a lot of us are quite vulnerable and oh, letting okay. letting someone in emotionally who's not good for us can really really negatively affect us 
um, up until the point where we have breakdowns or we, you know, it. so you have that aspect. And then you also have the, the aspect with dating where people may take advantage of your trusting nature. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's some statistics around um, abuse uh, around of autistic people you know perhaps took people for for their own word and said this i have to to like take a breath because it's just that there is there is so much to talk about (laughs) yes there really is there's so and you know i'm a woman (laughs) and, and i'm an autistic woman who has been in that relationship more than once where you know I was taken advantage of because I was so trusting. I was treated really horribly, you know, and not, not in a physically abusive, but in a, in emotionally and mentally and verbally abusive. And I thought that I deserved it. I thought, you know, I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. And for so long, I believed that until I learned I was autistic and I learned I just perceive things. And then you start to uncover all these things. And you're like, oh my God, I didn't even realize. I, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't realize that there was so much trauma in my life. And because we are so very sensitive to so many types of things, the experience of trauma for us can be something that is an everyday occurrence that has no impact on another human. You know, and there's so many things that make dating and relationships really tough, especially the older we are, the more relational experiences that have not gone well in our life that make us really afraid. And, you know, there's that other component and element to it in dating. And it's like, I would find myself in this in my teens and twenties in particular dating, and I would finally meet somebody and oh my gosh, this is, this yeah, is so you great. And you're, yeah. Right. And you're like full on, this is it. And the other person is just yeah. like, whoa, slow your roll. And it's just like, they immediately, it turns them off. And it's so well, interesting. They're up right, and then, and then it goes on and then it, then it crashes. <laughs> right. Exactly. They're like, sure, this is great. And it's just like this like quick burn. And then it just poof, it's gone. Communications right? coming in. Yeah. And it's a lot of it has to do with our, our expectations. But for me, if I reflect back, I was looking for my own worth and my own validation through someone else accepting me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a, it's such a, a shiny object though, isn't it? It's, there's, there's nothing quite like the, the, the fantasy of, you know, having someone, someone that meets your needs and that you can connect with and that supports you and wants to talk to you and be around you. And they're willing to tell everybody that that's what they're doing. Um, it's, it's such an attractive thing and it's hard not to, to get excited about that. Isn't it? You know, of course we have all the media fallacies about 
what relationships are supposed to be like, you know, and you've got, <laughs> you know, Renee Zellweger saying, you know, to Jerry Maguire's character, you complete me. And I'm just like, now I'm like, oh, honey, no, <laughs> <laughs> I complete me first. <laughs> there is no external human that's going to complete me. I am already a whole person. <laughs> but I believed that for a long time. I thought I had a missing piece, lots of missing pieces. And finding the right person was somehow going to make all of that okay. Yeah. And the reality was, until I felt and believed that I was already whole and complete, there wasn't anybody else that was going to meet any of my needs because I had to meet my own first. It's, it's, it's important, isn't it? And it, you have to be being a whole person is is a good thing you know it, it takes pressure off your partner it you know if you have understood yourself you've you know put the work in and mastered those social well not mastered but understood oh i definitely have not mastered to... i'm a work in progress <laughs> <laughs> likewise um but you have all the Oh, the brain. Fo- I'm I'm still recovering from COVID, so my brain's very foggy at the moment. It's um, what was I saying? God, I wish I could tell you because I just went <laughs> completely blank. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, aren't we a pair, Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what we can say. We hope that this conversation has served you today. If you're single. If you're autistic, you're ADHD, you are a neurodivergent, neurodistinct brain type, and you're looking for love, companionship, connection, and authentic relationship in your life, I hope Thomas and I have given you a little insight and and some of our lived experience in this, not just from the autistic perspective, but from what we've also learned coaching and working with neurodiverse couples, working with both the neurotypical as well as the neurodivergent human. Thomas is going to be one of our special mastermind guests, teaching an incredible workshop about single and dating life and some of the components to start looking into if you are coming out of a relationship, if you're coming out of a marriage, if you're coming just first single and you're looking to date, ready to mingle, We've got some insights and Thomas is going to be sharing some amazing things in the Coaching Cafe Academy in the Mastermind series coming hopefully, up. Hopefully they'll be able to, a lot more coherent than, than how I was today. <laughs> Straight oh, forward into the point. <laughs> listen, it's late in the day. You've put in a full work day by the time we've had this conversation and you're That's recovering true. from COVID. That's so true. my friend, you're genius brilliance in all things to me. There is no perfection. There is just us showing up and being our authentic selves. And I love that you do that. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for joining Thomas and I. And Thomas, thank you for sharing your experiences and your insights. Guys, go check out Thomas's account, Asperger's Growth on Instagram. Go give him a follow. Go check out his amazing posts that he has all in relationships and dating and some of the things that we talked about today. Thomas, where can everybody find you other than on Instagram? Well, I'd, I'd say that, um, you, you know, obviously Instagram is, is the place to go. Uh, I do have a website, which is uh, thomashenley.co.uk. 
I also have my podcast, which I think you mentioned at the start, which is the 40 Orty podcast, which I'm sure you'll put in the description <laughs> for some people. Um, I also have some, some videos. I, I upload very irregularly to my YouTube channel, which is the same Asperger's Growth. And yeah, if, if anyone wants to get in contact where anyone need, need someone to do, to do a speech or to come talk or do a workshop or training, anything like that, you can, you can contact me on my email, aspergisgrowth at gmail.com. Fantastic. Guys, you now have all the connection stuff. I'll have all the links down in the show notes below. Get in touch with Thomas, reach out. And the doors for the Coaching Cafe Academy are open. You can join. And we did kick everything off in March. So if you have just learned about this and you're interested, hey, all of those things are available for you. You can pick up right where we are. You can also go back and pick up any of the information. And this way, you'll be in the group and available to take Thomas's amazing mastermind that's coming up in the Coaching Cafe Academy. Thanks so much for being here and we'll see you next week. See you later, guys. If you are someone who likes to help people and share what has made a difference in your life, please share this talk show with a friend and on your social media accounts so that you can be the blessing in another late identified autistic's life. Be sure to tag me at Social Audi so I can personally say thank you. And to help keep the talk show ad-free, please consider becoming a one-time or recurring supporter through either Buy Me a Coffee or the Anchor Podcast links in the show notes below. I truly appreciate your support. Thank you for being a listener and thank you for adding your voice to our story.